HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Wednesday, April 5th, 2023. And this is our 354th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, my guest is the CEO of USHG, home to some of NYC's most beloved restaurants, bars, and more. And I will introduce him fully in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start out with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my speed round game, industry news discussion, solo dining experience, and the final question. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to endorse endorsements. Be open to seeking and giving recommendations and testimonials of your work and of others to help support one another. Get comfortable making the ask to your clients, peers, and colleagues, as essentially endorsements are a great way to gain credibility, and there's no shame in inquiring. Rather, most people will feel honored when you do reach out to them and are eager to assist, as it feels good to support those we believe in. So seek endorsements. I do endorse it. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm very excited to have my guest joining me. It is Chip Wade. He's the Chief Executive Officer of Union Square Hospitality Group, which was founded by Danny Meyer with the opening of Union Square Cafe in 1985, now extends beyond the walls of its eateries, offering event services, partnerships, and business development. As CEO, a title Chip has had since 2022, he is responsible for further enhancing and evolving the company's culture, driving an even greater experience for guests, and bolstering the excellence and growth of its businesses. Chip joined the USHG's executive team as president in 2019, following a rich 30-year career in operational leadership in the hospitality industry, including 17 years in leadership with Darden Restaurants and as Chief Operating Officer for Legal Seafoods in Boston. Without further ado, Chip, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sharon. I'm delighted to be here. I'm delighted to be with you and uh, your listeners. Well, thank you. I am delighted myself, and I can't wait to hear your story because I'm I'm a little familiar with 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 you just from things I've read and I know the exciting, all oh, so many exciting things are happening at USHG, but we haven't actually met in person, I don't believe. And um, so this is going to be ex- exciting new intro for me and my listeners to hear um, all about your story. So do you want to take us back to how you got into the hospitality industry? That's usually where I like to start. 
Sure, absolutely. So like many young teenagers at the age of 15, uh, I get my very first job at a fast food restaurant, which is essentially how I entered the, the hospitality and restaurant industry. I was 15. I walked into a Dunkin' Donut uh, shop in my neighborhood, and I was very fortunate to get a job uh, cleaning the parking lot, uh, sweeping and mopping the floors, et cetera. And over the remaining three years of my high school year, I, I worked at that Dunkin' Donuts. Nice. Yeah. You still, do you still enjoy Dunkin'? <laughs> I, <laughs> I still enjoy a great donut. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I still enjoy Dunkin', Dunkin' Donuts. Yes. <laughs> but um, that experience, and I had some great, uh, a great manager and a great mentor who introduced me to the notion of culinary school. Um, again, was the next phase of my hospitality and restaurant career. Did you think you wanted to be a chef at one point? No, not at all. But I knew that I wanted to be in this industry and I wanted to manage and lead. And I thought um, it would be beneficial for me to have a profound understanding of food and culinary arts. And so uh, thus my journey into a two-year associate's degree from Johnson & Wales University. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, I think that's smart. And I, I think that's, yeah, makes sense to do if you want to get into this industry and know all aspects of it. So then, so then what led you into, where, where did you go next? Is that where, you, did you end up working at um, TGI Fridays afterward? That's correct. So I graduated uh, with an associate's degree. I then went on and finished my bachelor's degree in hotel and restaurant management. And after graduation, I joined TGI Fridays. I was fortunate to follow a friend and a mentor. Um, and I joined TGI Fridays in 1985 as a restaurant manager. Um, and that is where I um, cut my teeth, if you will. Um, went through a management training program with TGI Fridays, and then gradually worked in different uh, areas of uh, responsibility and broader and more responsibilities during my 14 plus years with TGI Fridays. Uh, but my very first kind of management job was at a TGI Fridays in uh, Westchester County, New York, um, where I was a kitchen manager. And what, what was that experience like? Well, it was, uh, it was exciting, right? So in 1985, TGI Fridays was really the granddaddy, if you will, of casual dining. Um, certainly the bar and grill category, they were the first to enter that space. And Fridays was still a very vibrant, a very busy um, a restaurant chain. And so uh, for me, it was exhilarating. I learned a ton. Um, I met my wife uh, during my TGI Fridays days ah, and nice. um, had a remarkable leader who interviewed me as a, as a kid coming out of college, um, a gentleman by the name of Smokey Hughes, James Hughes, uh, but he coached me and mentored me and, and promoted me over a 10-year period to increasingly more responsibilities, but the experience was fantastic. Yeah, well, that's wonderful to hear. And, you know, you, so you're saying like in the 80s, I mean, I was I was a teen growing up in Miami and I have TGI Fridays was definitely, you know, a spot we went to. And I also I don't even know if I've mentioned this in all my episodes, but back in the day, my for I had I was a hostess and a server at Bennigan's okay. and also at Chili's. These are, that was the summer jobs been when I was after, those were more um, when I was home um, from college in the summer. But um, I have experience working at, um, not at a Friday's, but, but your, 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 um, I wouldn't say competitors, but colleagues, yes. <laughs> your peers. Um, and I could probably still sing the happy birthday song from Bennigan's if I really, really tried. <laughs> well, may well, maybe later in the interview, you and I can do it together. Uh, in addition to our love for hospitality and food in the industry, I also worked at Bennigan's. Oh, nice. Did you yeah. have the suspenders with all the buttons on it too? <laughs> I sure did. I was okay. a, a bartender and server and a host uh, as well. So I... I know that brand and I, I'm smiling, uh, yeah. but I uh, have fond memories of Bennigan's. 
Yeah, no, me too. Me too. They were there. It was, it was good. And actually when I think back also the training, I remember going into Chili's and like the training it took to become a server and get on the floor. Like they had this huge book and like the protocol. And I don't know, I, I find all these experiences that I had my, my restaurant experiences from way past all help me today and what I do and just understanding restaurants and operations and what it takes. So um, but uh, you, so, so getting back to you, um, <laughs> so, so then, so, I mean, you have, you have this rich history of working, you were with, you were with Darden, you were with Red Lobster, um, talk a little bit about like the different roles you played or the different, you know, uh, how you, how you continue sure. on with your career. So I spent a total of uh, 14 years with TGI Fridays, and I was fortunate to work in, in addition to operations, I spent six plus years in, in HR, um, ultimately becoming the head of domestic HR. And then I spent about two years with TGI Fridays in new business development. And so uh, Fridays gave me this rich, broad experiences and exposures in 1999, I left TGI Fridays and joined a Darden restaurant out of uh, Orlando, Florida. And I joined as a director uh, for the Olive Garden brand. Uh-huh. And Olive Garden was going through a significant turnaround. And I was a director of a remodel program, managing construction project managers, interior designers, design uh, teams. And my team went about remodeling 300 plus Olive Gardens all over North America. And uh, I did that uh, for for two plus years. Uh, Around 2000, Darden was working on a new concept called Smoky Bones. It was a barbecue. In June of 2001, the board gave the chairman uh, board approval for national rollout. And with that rollout, I became I I got promoted and became the senior vice president of development for Darden's newest brand against Smoky Bones. And so in that role, I was responsible for real estate acquisition, the development strategy, design, construction, and then asset management, which is, you know, facilities management. And I cherish that role. I love barbecue. Um, I collaborated with um, Clarence Otis, who was the president of Smoky Bones at the time, and then later became the chairman and CEO of Darden Restaurants. And Clarence has been a, a great sponsor of mine for 20 plus years now. Um, so that was my experience uh, in 2003. I got a call from a search firm and ultimately found my way into Boston and into Legal Seafoods. I, uh, I was a big fan of Legal Seafoods. My wife is from Boston. I love the brand. And Roger Berkowitz was just a fantastic restaurateur. And he was looking for a chief operating officer. And after a long courtship, uh, Roger and I agreed uh, that I would join his uh, organization. And I was there for almost two years. Um, it didn't work out. I learned a lot. Um, we, we worked on a number of concepts in, in addition to legal seafoods. But I rejoined Darden in 2006. And uh, that's when I joined the, the Red Lobster brand. I joined as a zone vice president. And I oversaw close to 100 restaurants for, for Red Lobster. And then roughly six years into that role, I became uh, EVP and chief operating officer for Red Lobster. That was around 2012. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, these, these, these restaurant groups, these are, they're just, there's like iconic casual restaurants that people, everyone knows of and there's so I don't know I mean how, there's so many and you over I mean did travel was travel a big part of your job or um I mean I I can't imagine what's the you know um managing all of being a being responsible for managing um concepts that have so many outlets yeah so uh, specifically at, as my role as executive vice president and chief operating officer right so red lobster had at the time 704 locations in north america and so i was traveling probably um 38 to 40 weeks a year um as a member of the executive team 
but um, specifically as the chief operating officer, it was important for me to be engaged and be in the business. There are, at the time, north of 55,000 uh, employees that worked for Red Lobster during my, my time as chief operating officer. And sans the 200 plus that worked at the home office, the vast majority of the employees worked in the field. Uh, as as cooks, as managers, as area directors. And um, I was fortunate to have a wonderful team beneath me. I had seven zone vice presidents reported to me and roughly 80 directors. And so those men and women um, led the brand of Red Lobster. But yes, I was on the road a lot. Wow, really very, very impressive. So... Let's jump ahead now to 2019, where you joined USHG as president, and now in 2022, you took the title of CEO. So how did that come about? Because USHG is different than, than this, this, I'd say, category of restaurants we're, we're talking about. Sure, absolutely. So earlier, I mentioned Clarence Otis. Uh, Clarence Otis, uh, as I noted, was the chairman and CEO of Dard Restaurants. He's actually a board member for USHG. Okay. And so in uh, December of 2018, uh, Danny uh, began a search uh, looking for a president and a very fortuitous bounce. Clarence said to Danny, I, I think I have someone that could uh, help you um, lead uh, the organization. So Clarence was the conduit. Um, he called me and said, uh, Danny Meyer would like to speak to you. I'm smiling now as I was smiling when I got the call from Clarence, um, because when Danny Meyer wants to chat with you and you're in the industry, uh, there's an immediate yes to take the call. So that's how I um, was connected to Danny. Um, Danny and I had a very short courtship, if you will. I think we had two phone conversations. I flew to New York. I met with Danny and his business partner of 27 years, and uh, there was immediate connection and bond. And um, roughly a month or so after that, he offered me the job. Wow! Yeah. Well, that all of that is is awesome, and um, I get it. <laughs> you take the call from Danny, and yeah. So, and the yeah, there was so. What's it been like now? Because it's been a couple years and this transition um, and and your role, because, you know. Sure. So it's been um, it's been hard work uh, as obviously we navigated through the, the pandemic. And I'll get to that more in a second. Right. But I would say it has been exhilarating. I have uh, been in the industry for 35 years and I can share with you professionally. I've never been happier. Um, I, uh, I love the culture that we have here at USHG. I love the culinary prowess and our commitment to excellence. And I love our hospitality. So first, it's been exhilarating. Uh, I would say second, uh, there's been a significant amount of hard work. Um, there have been challenges I noted about the pandemic. And so in early March of 2020, we had roughly 2,500 employees, and chefs and sommeliers and general managers. And roughly six weeks later, we, we shrunk the organization down to about 45 individuals. And so um, as an organization that went to zero revenue um, and where New York was really the epicenter of the pandemic here in the States, um, we were left with no other options uh, except for closing our restaurants. And so um, I think the hard work, our commitment to excellence, um, the excitement of being here in New York to collaborate with Danny, um, it's, it's just been simply fantastic. I'm proud to say that we uh, are now, all of our businesses are back open. Um, and we've surpassed the staffing levels that we had pre-pandemic. So we're north of uh, roughly 27, approaching 2,800 employees and leaders and managers. And so these are exciting times to be in New York and exciting times to be at USHG. Yeah, 100%. And I mean, 
something I have talked about on my show before is I'm, I am a huge USHG fan, a huge Danny fan. I mean, he was my guest on episode 100. Um, and I've, and I've done many shows with, with people on your team from, from Hillary Sterling to Michael Anthony and Claudia Fleming. I mean, and Claudia is in my upcoming book, Chef Wise. Um, so I've just, I've always admired everything that comes out of, um, the USG say brand or just your your philosophy and concept, your restaurants, your food. Um, so um, so what so how do you manage like what's a day in the life now for you with I mean you're still you're not managing, I don't know the the number you said of hundreds of restaurants across the country, but USG USAG is a significant size. Yeah. So first of all, congratulations on your book. Thank you. Um, I'm looking forward to to reading it and digging into it. So, again, kudos to you. I'm sure you're excited. I'm very excited. Yes. So, um, so we are a complex business. Um, you know, we are the umbrella is hospitality. It's the thread that runs through all that we do. We, of course, are known for our full service, fine dining, chef driven restaurants. And I have a. a a leader that oversees that. Uh, we're known for a new concept that uh, Danny worked on prior to my arrival called Daily Provisions, which is a wonderful three-part breakfast, lunch, and dinner cafe. I'm a fan. <laughs> You're a fan? I'm a fan. I'm a fan. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good, good. We're very excited about, about um, how New Yorkers are falling in love with Daily Provisions and it's just a wonderful, I'll, I'll say, third third place where you can come in and grab a cup of coffee, maybe read the paper, do some work. Um, and so we're excited. Uh, we also have, as you noted, we have a very large event business, which is multi-layered in and of itself. And then the, the last uh, revenue stream, as, as we describe it, is a, a growing consulting practice. And so each of those segments are led by, by a leader. We work in a very collaborative environment here at USHG, um, where the businesses are supported by wonderful leaders in marketing, in, in HR, in technology, in finance. Um, so I'm very fortunate to be surrounded by remarkably competent and confident and caring uh, individuals across you know, several disciplines. Very cool. What would you say, I mean, what are the biggest challenges of, of your job? I mean, in the pandemic, I mean, getting, I mean, the, that time and we're still, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's, if it's, if, if we're done with it yet, but it's, things are, you know, restaurants are back to being pretty busy and people are back in, at least here in New York and traveling. So, but that period was certainly extremely challenging. Um, what, what would you say, like, aside from that, like day to day or just are the challenges of your job or just, um, I don't know, any difference between working at a company, working with USHG than your past um, companies you've worked with? Sure. So let me tackle the challenges, right? So you mentioned the pandemic and, and thankfully we have all navigated success, successfully through the pandemic. Um, now COVID or some other like communicable disease may always be part of the the world landscape, but it's unlikely that we'll navigate through another pandemic. I'm going to knock on wood and hope yeah. that never happens. The challenges are uh, helping an organization uh, navigate through change. And so um, USHG has navigated through a significant amount of change over the past 24 months. We've introduced new technology um, into the organization. We, as an organization, uh, reversed a five-year uh, practice that Dan Danny implemented, which was a non-tipping policy. Um, we have new vendors. We have new leaders. So I think for me, the, the biggest challenge that we are all collectively going through is just change management. Uh, so I would say that is number one. I embedded in that, I think the consumers, our guests, have different expectations coming out of COVID, right? And I think 
Uh, time and convenience is even more important today than it was in 2019 and early 2020. Um, the consumers and our guests value even more so safe and clean spaces. And so we're forced to make changes in our operating model to make sure that our employees understand the importance of creating a safe and clean uh, environment um, while also um, being mindful and paying attention to that other change dynamic I just mentioned, which is convenience and time. And so I'll just add on to that, right? I think the notion of a three-hour lunch at Gramercy Tavern, which was could have been the norm in 2019 and early 2020, I think uh, consumers, New Yorkers want to still have a wonderful experience, but ultimately they want to get back and maybe get to their condos and, par uh, and apartment and enjoy their, their family time and their families a little bit more. And so we have to be receptive to that and change accordingly. So I think that those are a couple of changes that uh, and challenges that uh, we face and that we're navigating through. Yes, I recently had a, a wonderful lunch at Gramercy Tavern in the in the I, well, I guess I know if you call it the tavern part of Gramercy Tavern, but the front room. Um, yes. and it's always it's it's always amazing. So. Um, I'm, I'm so proud of uh, the leadership team there. And, and you know, Michael Anthony, you've had yeah. him on your programming and he's been with us 15 plus years and he's just a, a kind and remarkable and talented chef. So I'm glad you had a great experience. Yeah, no, he is. And yeah, always, always. So, okay. So let me ask you my question for my last guest on episode 353. I had on Gia Vecchio. She's the CEO and founder of Foxglove Communications, which is a publicity and strategy agency focusing on hospitality based in Philadelphia, New Orleans, Nashville, New York City, and more. Okay, so Gia wants to know, having read many of your interviews and noting that you continuously cite Jerry Fernandez, the founder of the Multicultural Food Service and Hospitality Alliance, as a longtime mentor of yours, whose advice has really stuck with you over the years, she'd like to know as a business owner, what advice do you have for those seeking mentors Mentors, and how would you describe the shift from being a mentee to a mentor, which she presumes you now mentor others? And because um, she was noting it can be a tricky time for mentorship once you've reached the ownership level. And one other thing she just noted that she's, she's, um, very honored to ask you a question, and she's worked with USHG on several beverage projects. Great question. Thank you very much. First, I will I will share. I'm still a mentee. I I, I still am curious. I want to continue to learn. There are people uh, in the business community and the hospitality community that I seek their counsel and advice. Danny is one of them. Clarence uh, is is one of them. And so I'm still in a mentee. Uh, and um, the second part of the question with regard to advice. So I think about mentor-mentee relationships from two perspectives. And I've had this long perspective. And one is you should always have mentors that you know um, and that you see on a regular cadence. That could be four times a year or three times a year. And I advise young adults to have those mentors. Um, they don't necessarily have to be in your same industry. In fact, I would say that you should have mentors that are within your industry and also uh, outside of your, uh, your industry. I also am a firm believer of mentors from afar. And um, since I was probably 35 and a mid-level executive, I have subscribed to this notion of having mentors from afar. These are business leaders that I probably would never meet, um, but I've always admired them. If they were on the cover of Fortune or Business Week, I was for certain going to to buy that that article. And I, I will name three business leaders, uh, two who I've met. But again, as a mid-level executive, there's no way I could have dreamed of meeting them. Indra Nui was a former chairman and CEO of PepsiCo. And I have watched her on YouTube videos. I've read her annual reports. I have now read her book, 
but she's someone that I would describe as a mentor from afar. Um, Ken Chenault, who ran uh, American Express, is another example. And so there are many layers to this notion of mentor-mentee relationship. And again, have folks that you know, um, and then I subscribe to the idea of mentors from afar. I, I will like just, that. Yeah, I will build on one, one other nugget. So I think for mentees, I always advise them to, to be curious, right, about all things, ask questions. And in our industry, it's not just about food, but it's about art and design and those components that make a dining experience wonderful. I tell young adults to embark on a lifelong journey of culture. I have a 23-year-old son that's uh, entering the restaurant hospitality business, and I'm encouraging him to spend time in Paris, in Rome, uh, in London, um, to embark on this lifelong journey. Um, and then the last thing I think is, which is so important, which is be a great listener. Um, and I think the most effective leaders that I have worked with are really great at listening. Awesome, all really wonderful advice and answer to Gia's question, so thank you. And on that note, let's take a little break. We will come back, we'll play my speed round, talk some industry news, I have my solo dining experience, and the final question, so stay with us. This is All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer. My guest today is Chip Wade. He's the CEO of Union Square Hospitality Group. So, Chip, it's time for my speed round game. What this is, is I'm going to name a couple of things and you get to pick your preference, such as chocolate or vanilla. You ready? I'm ready. All right, here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Eat out at a restaurant. Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Indoor dining. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Wine. Alrighty. Tasting menu or a la carte? A la carte. Small plates or large plates? Large plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Ooh, chef's counter. Love to see the theater and the art. Yeah, I agree with that. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Ooh. I, uh, yeah. This one, sometimes this is a common one to stump people. <laughs> well, I love our industry and I love our people and I love to celebrate them with uh, when they deliver both on the service and the hospitality and I'm generous tipper. Yeah, I would imagine you are. Okay, a couple more. Never ending soup, salad and breadsticks or seafarers feast. Um, I'm going to go for seafarers feast. Okay. I, I, I haven't actually been to either of these restaurants in a long time. I'm due, but these were things known for, from the Olive Garden, Darden restaurant and Red Lobster. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was kind of thinking when I was looking that up that I'm really due to go back. I mean, I can't, but, um, okay. I now know to get the seafarers feast at Red Lobster. 
Okay. How about Shack Burger or Chicken Shack? Shack Burger. Yeah, I got to go with the burger. Cheese plate or dessert? Dessert. Last one is Manhattan or Brooklyn? Manhattan. That's the game. That's that was a great. fun game. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. I, I I like playing it every time. It's a little different, even though it's, it's the same but different. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, cool. Okay, so for industry news, um, uh, it's not really – well, it's an announcement more than an article in a paper, even though it was picked up lots of places. But um, the announcement is uh, the 2023 James Beard Restaurant and Chef Award nominees by the James Beard Foundation were were um, announced last week. And um, this is, as people know, listening to the show, I've covered the James Beard Awards Um a lot. Um, I've been going for the past few years and doing red carpet interviews and the upcoming gala is going to be on Monday, June 5th in back in Chicago at the Lyric Opera House. Um, I'm planning to go again. So, and this is, this is like a big deal when it comes out, listing the nominees who, who are finalists. And um, it was a very diverse list. Um, One of the names I was very excited to see was Nikki Nakayama of Ennaka in Los Angeles, who I recently met, interviewed, and went to a restaurant. Um, and she's in my ChefWise book. Um, she was up for, or she is up for the Restaurant and Chef Award for Outstanding Chef. So um, always cool to see people that you know and admire on, on these lists. Um, did you did you see the list? Do you have, I mean, do, I don't know, your take on James Beard? Yes. So a couple things. Uh, yes, I'm fully aware of James Beard. It's just a fantastic organization. I saw the list of nominees. Um, and, you know, I would first extend a heartfelt congratulations to all of the winners as well as the nominees. Right. It is it is the Emmys and the Oscars of our industry in the fine dining segment. And they are absolutely wonderful individuals who've been nominated across the country, and that would be inclusive of our very own Hillary Sterling uh, here uh, in New York in Chisiamo. And um, yes, and I second that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, of course, we were all rooting for, for Hillary, and there are just so many wonderful culinarians and hospitality leaders of that are deserving of this award. And so, unfortunately, there can only be one winner, if you will. But um, uh, we were just honored that Hillary was nominated. And um, I, I just know it, it is a, a very big deal. It is a very big deal. And I don't use the word adore a lot, but I adore Hillary and I what she does in her cooking and who she is as a person. She's amazing. Um, so and you're right. I mean, it is. I mean, you can't it's there's there's going to be a certain amount of people that can make the nominee list and be a finalist and be a winner. And, um, but I always, I believe, I think it's great to celebrate the industry. And, um, and this is, this is what I feel the James Spear Foundation does with their awards. And um, there's, I don't know, I'm scrolling through like Ellen Yin, who's been not, on the list a couple of times for High Street Hospitality as Outstanding Restaurateur. She's on it again, and she's she's been on this show. She's she's wonderful. Um, and, yeah, I get excited seeing and also learning. Like, it also introduces um, restaurants and chefs across the country that I might not be as familiar with because I tend to know a lot more about New York and a little about everywhere else. So. <laughs> yeah. I think, um, I'll, you know, I think of when I look at the list and I don't know all these restaurants, but I know here in New York, Amanda Cohen, right? She has been at her craft for a number of years, highly regarded, highly respected. And um, again, while we would have loved to have Hillary uh, be the winner, um, hats off to Amanda and, and a number of these leaders. Uh, the, these chefs, these culinarians, they put their heart and their passion and their love into their businesses, into their people, and and they so richly deserve this recognition. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And um, yeah, congratulations to everyone. 
uh, stay tuned for um, who's the announce, you know, the awards, I believe they said they're going to be live streaming it if you can't attend. And that's on Monday, June 5th. And they haven't announced the nominees yet for the media awards. Um, that's coming up on April 26th. And then we'll be in Chicago, I believe, on June 3rd is the media awards um, uh, gala or the, the uh, party they do for that. So it's it's a party in Chicago. If you if you <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a good time. It's a good time to be there. Um, you know, the weather is usually really nice and people are excited just to get together, especially I think since the pandemic, like people just love gathering and seeing each other in the industry. So absolutely. All right. Well, that's that. And congratulations to, again to everyone. Um, so my for my solo dining experience this week, it's at Bad Roman. So here's the rundown. The location, 10 Columbus Circle, the, at the shops at Columbus Circle on the third floor in New York City. The concept, so it's a modern maximalistic Italian restaurant from the quality branded restaurant group. And um, one of their restaurants is Don Angie, which I love. And the team behind it, I know, is involved in this concept. And um, the menu it features playful takes on Italian classics. It has a regionally focused wine list and exciting cocktails. So the owners are Alan Stillman and his son, Michael Stillman. And the executive chef is Nick Gaub. Why'd I go? Well, this is a hot new opening in New York. It's in my neighborhood. I'm literally down the block. And um, I've always, as I said, been a fan of Don Angie and all the quality branded restaurants. So my experience, a couple weeks ago was a Friday night. It's a new place. So I didn't have a reservation. It's hard to get one. Um, I went as a walk-in early, got a seat at the bar. The bar filled up pretty fast. I mean, it was by the time I left, the place was really, well, I'd say jumping. I mean, it's got People are people are into it. It's um, it's it's very popular and it, it's got a good, cool vibe. Um, it took over where Landmark was in what I still call the Time Warner Center. Um, Landmark had a really long run and it had closed. That was Mark Murphy's restaurant closed in 2019, and the space has just been empty for a couple of years now. So it's nice that we have something back. Um, my experience was really great. The bartender um, who was taking care of me, her name was Salma. Um, so nice. The place had great energy. And um, I had a really nice time. So what did I get? Well, I got the roasted garlic babka, which is says for the table. Solo diner. Got it anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> you got to do what you got to do, right? Right. Um, I got the capoletti bistecca pasta with 20-year balsamic. Um the menu also had salads, mains, greens, and contorni. I skipped all that, but I went ahead and got dessert, which was I got the lemon cheesecake. My take, everything was delicious. The babka, I would say, like, get the babka, even if you're by yourself. It's it's just super fresh and very unique take on, take on like, take on bread. I've never really had a, a garlic babka as a savory thing um, at a restaurant. Pasta was Wonderful. It was not a, a huge portion. Um, it was it was just filled me like perfectly. It was light, full of flavor. And then the lemon cheesecake, it, it's a masterpiece, if I could say so. It it's it looks it it it's it's comes presented, it's like shaped like two lemons. It looks like two lemons on your plate, and you cut into it, and the filling is inside, and the graham cracker crumbs are on the bottom. So it's kind of like has a little deconstructed element to it. But it's just one of these desserts where you're like, wow. Sounds delicious. Yeah, it was really, it was really great. I'm not, I mean, typically like lemon cheesecake would not be the thing that calls my name on a dessert menu. But this, I'm saying is a must order. <laughs> <laughs> um, so the ambiance. So it's. It's a big restaurant. It's got 250 seats. It's very dimly lit. And I feel like it's purposely kind of trying to be a little bit tacky. I know that sounds weird, but it works. It's got these like orangey salmon pink banquettes and it's got greenery around it. And it has some 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 statues in it and has a garden fountain by the bathroom. And it's very, it's it's a bit 
funky, but it kind of, and dark lighting, I don't know, it all worked. I was, I was sort of not sure how I was going to feel about it, but I liked it. Very different than Landmark, even though, of course, the layout of the space is still the same. Okay, so it's perfect for a fun night out with friends. Interesting tidbit, quality branded restaurants include quality Italian, quality meats, quality eats, Smith & Walensky, Don Angie, Zuzu's, and more. Personal fun fact, and actually Zuzu's is right across the way from Chisiamo, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that little Manhattan West uh, plaza over there. I think it's really great. Okay, so personal fun fact. Um, yeah, I'm down the block from from what I call Time Warner Center. I always shop at Whole Foods downstairs. It's just, it's really, it's nice to have this in the neighborhood now. Um, Momofuku Noodle, um, it's nice to have that also there. It's on the other side of, of the... Um, the mall and uh, Porterhouse, we have that in the there too. And if you're going fancy, you got Masa and Per Se. So it's it's nice it's nice to have all these restaurants in my hood. The cost of the meal was sixty nine dollars, not including tax and gratuity. Would I go back? Yes. And the website's badromannyc.com and Instagram at badromannyc. There you go. What do you think? You did did I sell it or did I make it? I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I am a fan of uh, quality brands. I've been to Don Angie's a number of occasions, and so uh, you sold me. I will, I will most definitely dine there. Sounds absolutely delicious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was. I need to, I, and I need to go back too because the thing about being solo is there's only so much I can eat and order, but everything looked good around me um, from the other diners, um, the, what they were getting, and. Uh, the energy was there. So congratulations will, to them. Yeah. I will share with you a little restaurant industry history. Alan Stillman, you may or may not know this, um, senior was the one who created TGI Fridays. You know, it, it sounds vaguely familiar, but no, I don't, I'm going to say I did not know that or I forgot it. So that's really cool. Yeah. 1965 is when he created TGI Fridays here in Manhattan. Wow. I haven't him. I need, he's, he's on my need to have on my show list um, for the future. Then <laughs> <laughs> um, they've, they've really, they've, I mean, they have such a, they have such an amazing restaurant group. So many, their concepts and they're all little, there's some the same, but all a little different. Like the new ones they're doing all have their like unique little spin to them. Absolutely. So smart. They're smart. Okay, so it's time for the final question. So my next guest is Rodolfo Guzman. He is the chef and owner of Barago in Santiago, Chile, which is an award-winning restaurant known for its sustainable approach, deeply rooted in Southern Chile's ingredients and indigenous culture. Barago has been on the world's 50 best list every year since 2015 and was the first recipient of the Sustainable Restaurant Award at Latin America's 50 best in 2018. Um, he's also a contributing chef to my book, Chef Wise. Um, so super excited to chat with him. Chip, can you please ask a question for Rodolfo? Sure. Uh, first of all, hi, Rodolfo. I love the city of Santiago. I did a little research, and my question is really centered around the exploration, this journey that you went on in 2004 and 2005, and you embarked on a historical study of food. I understand that you collaborated with research groups and psychologists and nutritionists to better understand the close connection between food and health and culture. And so my question is, what did you learn during this period, and how has it changed your point of view or thinking over the past 20 years? And then how has the thinking shaped your food and culinary menu strategies for your restaurant? I love it. I always love, I mean, it's like, thank you. I can, that's like, that's the show right there <laughs> with, with him. <laughs> Getting all that info. Um, yeah, no, that's a great question. I will, I will find out. Um, so yeah, that's um, that's our show. So thank you. Thank you, Sherry. It's been a delight. I I look forward to meeting you. You and I are going to be in Philadelphia, I believe, together, and yes. uh, at the Philly Chef Conference here coming up in about two and a half weeks. We, I am. I'm planning to go to your talk. I believe it's with 
Don Davis with Bon Appetit? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. You know, I saw, I, I saw that on the agenda and I was like, definitely got to go to that one. Um, yeah, we'll definitely meet then because um, I'm I w- coming into town for the conference, but also on Sunday. If you and I don't know when you're getting there, if you're there on Sunday, um, but I'm going to do a panel at the study at University City, which is the hotel right on campus, and um, the panel is with Sisterly Love Collective and partnering with the study at University City in Philadelphia. And we're going to be celebrating my new book, Chef Wise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World, which is my publisher is Fiden. And we're going to do a little preview of the book. I'm going to read a little bit from it. And then I'm going to do a panel with three different chefs who are based in Philly. Um, and this event, it's it's free. It's open to the public um, if anyone wants to come. So if you're if you're there um by sunday at three please come <laughs> i will definitely be there on sunday i'm not sure what time i arrive but uh, if i'm there i will join you uh and again i look forward to, to meeting you in person this has been um, an enjoyable uh chat so thank you thank you and big congratulations on your whole career and everything you've accomplished and i can't wait to see what's next for you with ushg and and how you what you do with the company. So um, um, yeah, to be continued, but thank you for joining me. Thank you, Sherry. My guest today has been Chip Wade. He's the CEO of Union Square Hospitality Group. Their website is ushg.com and you can follow them at ushgnyc and Chip is at dcwade2023. Um, you can follow me at Sherry Bayer, at Bayer PR, and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also in iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Check out my new book coming out. I've mentioned it already on the show, Chef Wise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World. My publishing dates are soon, April 20th in the UK, if you happen to be in the UK or elsewhere around the world, and May 3rd in the US. And it's available for pre-order at fiden.com or wherever books are sold. And um, to tie in from the very beginning of the show, my tip today, my endorsement tip, um, that was a little bit inspired or a lot of bit inspired by an endorsement I got from my book, which I want to share with you all now. And it is from Danny Meyer, the author of Setting the Table. And he wrote, a vibrant and inspiring collection of personal journeys that illustrate the many diverse paths to becoming a great chef. Chef Wise is essential misimplus shared by an honor roll of the best of the best. I'm like tearing up as I read that. I can't even believe Danny said that or shared that endorsement about my book, but that is what he did. And so thank you, Danny. Um, It means the world to me and I can't wait to share the book with the whole world. Okay. I'm like, where's my closing here? Let's make it through. Okay. So thanks to my engineer, Armin. Thanks again to Chip, as well as Danny, Richard Crane, Ann Fitzgerald, and Katie Reisart. I'm your host and producer, Sherry Bayer. We are taking a little break here with my show, a little spring break. So I will be back on Wednesday, May 3rd, which is, yes, my U.S. publishing date for the book. Can't wait. Stay safe and well. And thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.